Welcome to the Motor City Hoops Podcast, your home for all things Detroit Pistons and NBA. Thank you for choosing Motor City Hoops, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the Motor City Hoops podcast, an instant recap and reaction episode from Thursday night's game versus the Suns. If you're new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I'm your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 Hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor at Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. And when I get the chance to watch our Pistons live, I'll do a short episode giving my immediate reactions, recap, and analysis of the game. Segments will include my biggest takeaways, player of the game, plays of the game, things to keep an eye on moving forward, and much more. Before we get started with this one, I want to encourage you to go listen to episode 70 of the podcast that I recorded with Sean Corp, editor at Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. That was one of our weekly Tuesday drop episodes where we get into all the news and storylines surrounding the team and NBA. I also just dropped my newest breakdown for Detroit Bad Boys where I dove into Dwayne Casey and the Pistons offense versus zone, which I think you guys would really like. I have offensive breakdowns for Frank Jackson, Isaiah Stewart, and Killian Hayes coming over the next couple of weeks, so be on the lookout for those as well. I'm recording this immediately after the Pistons' entertaining loss to the Suns, 103-114. to This uh, losing streak starting to pile up for the Pistons and maybe the frustration as well, so it was actually really nice to see a game where the Pistons were at least competitive, especially in the second half. Cade coming off one of his better games shooting-wise, he was at least very efficient. And Bay, very frustrating, going through a really rough stretch, really starting to frustrate the fan base as well as they start to get antsy with his game. Devin Booker out for the Suns with the hamstring that he suffered against the Warriors. They've won 17 in a row coming into this game with a Tuesday night win over the Golden State Warriors and an upcoming matchup against the Warriors on Friday night. We continue to get the same starting lineup from the Pistons when healthy, so maybe a little bit of chemistry and continuity, but I'll talk a little bit later that maybe that starts to change moving forward. The Suns go with Paul, Shamit, Bridges, Crowder, and Ayton, and it was a slow start to the game for both teams, finally broken by a Cade Cunningham three with 10 minutes to go in the first. Cade gets in major, major foul trouble in this game. Second foul at the 746 mark. Casey leaves him in, and this was very interesting to me if he was going to actually let him play or not. But I don't know if they were slow to figure out that it was his second or what it was. But he ends up getting his third foul with 6.43 to go in the first with Frank Jackson waiting at the table to sub in for him. So I don't know if that was just a little air miscommunication there or if they truly were trying to let him play it out for just a little bit. Suns are on an 8-2 run, but the Pistons are able to weather the run just enough to keep this game interesting. This will be the story of the first half where the Suns go on runs, but the Pistons are able to weather it just enough. CP3 draws at least three fouls in the first quarter, a couple of them on those swipe-through plays. That was Cade Cunningham's third, and I hate it as much as anyone, guys, but I don't know if that's how the rule is supposed to be enforced right now or if this was supposed to be one of the changes that went along with the offensive foul changes to start this season. But if the refs are going to call it like that, as much as I hate it, I don't blame Chris Paul for taking advantage of that rule. Lots of Jeremy Grant getting favorable matchups with switches, and then they would just isolate him on smaller guards. He had seven points and two assists in a really big game overall from Jeremy Grant. Pistons are down 18-30 to to start the second quarter, and the Suns start the quarter on fire, but the Pistons again able to slow down the run. Cade comes back in with 7-14, down 11. 
Pistons really getting beat in transition. I'm sure it's happened more than just this game, but this was one of the games where it really stood out to me. I felt like the Suns were able to get out and go, especially in the first half, and catch the Pistons just a little bit slow getting back. Nice stretch from Killian Hayes. He goes back door, gets an assist from Cade Cunningham. We've seen that connection a couple times, and then knocks down a catch-and-shoot three, and then hits another one later in the quarter. And the shot really does look good from Killian Hayes as he had a nice stretch here in the second quarter. Ends up with 10 points going into the halftime break. Pistons looks like they're going to close on a decent stretch and at least keep it competitive going into half. But the Suns answer. Pistons had it down to 11 with 140 to go in the first half. The Suns close on a 10-3 run. As I mentioned, Hayes finished the first half in double digits with 10. Grant continued his hot start with 17. Those are the only two guys in double digits going into half, but a 33-point quarter for the Pistons overall. Down 18 going into the third, so 51-69. I was really interested to see how Killian Hayes responded in the second half after that great stretch to end the first half. He went 0-2 in the quarter and ended up not scoring in the second half. So just scoring-wise, we didn't see that continue. You know, when he had 10 points at halftime, I thought maybe this is a game we see Killian end up with 16, 18, maybe even 20. I believe he missed all four shots that he took in the second half. So just something he can continue to build on and work on. Same thing we saw in the first half. Every time the Pistons make a couple shots, the Suns would answer. And the Suns you know, are a really good team, and we'll talk about this more, especially later in the episode. They cut the lead to six with a nice 12-0 run that I'll highlight later. And this ends up being a 20-2 run that ties the game, or what we thought would tie the game. Eventually, a Hami desperation three at the end of the shot clock, but they take this away a couple minutes later. I don't know if you guys watched the game. If you did, if you were like me, all of a sudden the Pistons were down seven whenever they went to the replay and changed this. And I was like, man, how'd they, how'd they get down so quickly? But they had taken those three points off the board for the Pistons. Something that will be a theme for the Suns Whenever they thought that Hami had hit that three to tie the game, Landry Shamit immediately answered with a huge momentum stopping three whenever, like, again, they thought that the game was tied and the Suns in the quarter weathering the Pistons storm. But it is a game, all right, 81-87, six-point game going into the fourth quarter. And the Pistons have scored 63 points through three quarters. Very encouraging sign from the Pistons. But do they have anything left? The way you've seen this offense all season long, it really makes you nervous and makes you wonder if there's any firepower left. They did. They kept it close and they made some shots to really make the Suns earn this. Hami three cuts it to five, but it was immediately answered by a Crowder three. After a timeout, the Pistons, I believe they went zone on the possession. I'll have to go back and look at the film, but they forced a turnover. Isaiah Stewart works, gets an offensive board, and Grant gets a bucket that cuts the lead to six. And immediately on the following possession, Mikel Bridges knocks down a mid-range. Again, the Pistons continue to fight back. Hayes finds Stewart going to his right off a pick and roll, hits Stewart for a layup, cut it down to six. And again, Mikel Bridges knocks down a mid-range jumper. And then Sadiq Bey, who we'll talk a lot about as we move through this episode, knocks down a big three. And Chris Paul is the one to answer with a mid-range jump shot. So I just wanted to highlight kind of those segments in the fourth where the Pistons did, even though they only ended up scoring 22 points in the fourth quarter, they did make some shots and had themselves in situations where it looked like they may even make it more of a game. And the Suns were just able to answer. And then kind of the last draw, Cade's attacking the basket, turns it over, and Landry Shaman's able to hit a three on the ensuing possession, put the game on ice, and the Pistons lose 103-114. to As we move into the biggest takeaways, I have four for you guys tonight or this morning if you're listening Friday morning. This is what we want to see this team do against really good teams. Hal tweeted this out on Twitter. 
Previous close games, it kind of seemed like we brought opponents down to our level, especially good teams. You know, it wasn't necessarily the Pistons were playing really well, making a ton of shots and just looked good. It was, it just seemed like, oh, the other team was playing the Pistons, resting a bunch of starters. I know Devin Booker didn't play for the Suns and they played down to our level. To me, for me tonight, I felt like, especially after the first half, Maybe the Suns let down a little bit, but the Pistons really forced the Suns to play well. They shot 54% from the field, 57% from three. Maybe that was just poor Pistons defense, but I thought we really forced the Suns or this Pistons team forced the Suns to play a good game, especially offensively, and get a lot of contribution from a lot of different players. And I think that's an encouraging sign for this young team in terms of what they look like against a good team. Now, what will be interesting is how they respond to this Okay, coming Monday when they play the Thunder, and we'll talk about that at the very end of the episode. Last couple games, we've seen the Cade jump hook. So this is something that's been talked about on Twitter. I had somebody reach out to me and ask me about it, why we haven't seen Cade a little bit more in the post. And I do think it's because we're trying to slowly work him into this. He's doing a lot. He rebounds. He handles the ball. The shot's finally coming around. I'm not sure you want to see even more wear and tear put on his body by putting him in the post and kind of letting him get banged on and bumped around. We've seen on drives like the one that kind of iced the game where that contact contact does kind of bother him a little bit and he struggles with that. And so I'm just not sure he's quite ready yet, but you do see the makings at time off an offensive rebound or something like that, where he does have a little bit of post ability. Hami. Okay. You guys know how much I love Hamadou Diallo. He's been getting minutes. I think he's been trying to take advantage of his minutes and I don't want people to take this the wrong way. He does pop on the screen based off his effort and athleticism. He brings something that a lot of other guys on the team are not able to bring. And I understand that. And I love his energy. So I don't want this to necessarily be a negative, but all I'm going to say is I want all of this to start turning into substance and production. You guys know I'm an eye test guy. I'm a film guy. I'm not just about the numbers guy. And I'm not saying he is style over substance. That was one of my college coach's favorite saying is he's a style over substance guy. He'd rather look good than actually make meaningful plays. I'm not saying Hami's not making meaningful plays, but in the last three games, he's only accounted for 16 points, six rebounds, and two assists. So there is something to be said, four points, four, not four points, but four, F-O-R, four points, for rebounds, for assists, like actually accumulating those stats and putting points on the board in some way. So all I'm saying is I would like to see all of that effort and intensity and athleticism start to translate and result in some production as well. And he has shown it in games, in some games. I'm just saying I'd like to see it a little bit more often. My final takeaway, Casey's lineups are becoming more and more fluid or at least a showing an ability to be fluid. I thought he staggered Hayes and Cade minutes tonight so there wouldn't be such a long stretch without either one of them on the floor. We actually saw a lineup of Killian Hayes, Kojo, Frank, Lyles, and Garza. I'm not saying, guys, by any means that's the most exciting lineup or it's the right lineup. All I'm saying is we've seen adjustments with the lineup. And so I do think that's encouraging. I like that Dwayne Casey's willing to do this. No JJ, no Josh Jackson in the game tonight. He limited Sadiq Bey's minutes in the second half. And I think that's based on what we've seen from Sadiq Bey recently and in terms of his struggles. And so instead of him subbing out with six minutes to go in the third and then coming back to start the fourth, he didn't come back in until six minutes to go in the fourth. So that really cut into the amount. Like he still played 31 minutes. So it's not like he didn't play minutes, but he didn't play kind of play his normal rotation. So I do think we're seeing Casey change the lineup, make 
adjustments with the lineup based on how guys are playing. Now, I know Trey Lyles, Kojo, those guys are going to be fans argument that this isn't going as far as what it should, but I don't know what the alternatives are for those guys, at least till Kelly Olynyk gets back and healthy. And then I don't know, you know, Saban Lee, if we're going to see consistent minutes with him with the Pistons. My player of the game tonight is Jeremy Grant. 34 points, six rebounds, three assists. He's 10 and 19 from the field, two or three from three. So anytime a guy drops 34 points, you know, he's probably in line for player of the game, especially on an efficient 10 of 19 from the field. And only one turnover for Jeremy Grant, two steals, one block, kind of filled up the stat sheet tonight. I know people don't like how many isolations. I know it doesn't always look pretty or efficient, but when you look at the numbers, tonight it does. I've been corrected with this in terms of his numbers and his efficiency, attacking the basket, how often he gets to the free throw line. And I've had people come at me on Twitter and I had to admit that I was wrong. And so Jeremy Grant put together a really nice night and we're going to talk about him as well as we look at things to keep an eye on in just a second. Some plays of the game, one negative, Cade's third foul. I do think that that changed kind of the trajectory of the game a little bit. You know, if Cade stays on the floor, and I guess you could say second and third foul because he was going to come out of the game anyway. But if he's able to play more minutes in the first half, maybe it's only a 12-point game at halftime. And then if we still go on a 22-22 run, now we have a lead instead of just tying the game up. So I, I do think that was important. I think it's one thing we've talked about with him in the foul trouble early in games. He really does need to figure out because this team can't just afford to play that many minutes without him and get down by that much, especially where there's not a whole lot of offensive firepower. Cage three, Stewart transition two, wasn't the prettiest, and then a Diallo run out. So there was a sequence there in the third quarter that was a lot of fun, and that's truly the plays of the game for me tonight. So Cade knocked down that three. Stewart, I don't know if he got it maybe at half court, a little beyond, and then is able to attack. Again, it wasn't the prettiest thing, but he's able to finish it. Killian Hayes gets a outlet. Amelia gets his eyes up, kicks it ahead, Diallo run out. And then it continued on after that. I tweeted this out. You know, I don't remember what exactly that took the score down to, but were the Pistons going to be able to continue the run? I think it was maybe down to 11 at that point. After a timeout, they get a stop. Cade got a bucket on a pick and roll. So after timeout set, Cade gets a bucket on a pick and roll. Grant gets a three off Hayes assist. And then Dwayne Casey goes right back to the same pick and roll set. And I'm going to break this down tomorrow. I'll put it on the Motor City Hoops YouTube channel and then post it on Twitter as well. And then Cade uses the same set to get a floater. So on this one, he refused the ball screen, went back to his left, hit a little floater, came down the next possession, went to the exact same play, and Cade stepped behind the ball screen for a three. So the exact same set, the exact same action, and Cade was able to score three different baskets in three different ways. And I, you know, just a great sequence of plays there for three or four minutes from the Pistons to cut into that lead. And like I said, what we thought was a tie, but ended up not getting quite there whenever they took away the three points from Diallo after review. Some things to keep an eye on. Isaiah Stewart offensive progression. Defenders are really playing off Isaiah Stewart. I saw a ton of people talking about this on Twitter tonight in terms of him, his willingness to take that jump shot. He finally did. I believe he hit two of those mid-range jumpers. He hesitated on both. But Isaiah Stewart, 6-7 of seven from the field tonight. Very efficient night for Isaiah Stewart. 12 points, 14 rebounds. So I would like to see him continue to make those or take those, obviously, make them as well. And if he's not quite ready to extend out to the three-point line yet, that's okay. But stay in that mid-range. Continue to knock those down. Make him come out to there for you. At least you can pay, play off of that and take advantage of that. 
And then hopefully as he gets more comfortable, he'll be able to extend it out to the three-point line also. Sadiq Bey in the offensive struggles. Probably the most talked about Piston right now. I felt like tonight, and I think people were probably going to agree disagree with me, he got to his spots, but I just felt like he either made wrong decisions or just missed. Like right now, there seems to be not a lot of confidence with Sadiq Bey. And so maybe it is, maybe this time he just goes back to what made him really, really successful last season and get his confidence back, just catch and shoot threes, play defense, continue to go to the boards. He only had three rebounds tonight, so I don't want him to lose that aspect of it and start to gain his confidence back before he continues to take himself into situations where he has to make a decision on, do I shoot this? Do I pass this? Do I have to finish this? Which he hasn't done very well at the rim. I just felt like he passed when he should have shot or vice versa, or he didn't have a plan at all whenever he drove. So again, I feel like he's getting to decent spots, but he's just not able to make the right play when he gets there. Played less minutes in the second half, and I start to wonder, is there a real chance he gets moved to the bench? Wes and I were talking about this before. We talked about just a few minutes ago about Dwayne Casey and his willingness to change the rotation and change the second unit and staggering of minutes. Do we see him go ahead and make that decision to bring Sadiq Bay off the bench and maybe insert somebody like Frank Jackson into the starting lineup? It was nice to see him hit a ry- rhythm three late in the game. I talked about that as we did the, the recap and he knocked down a big three. That was a big three where the Pistons were still in the game. Obviously didn't end up helping him come all the way back but it was nice to see him knock that one down. We were talking about Jeremy Grant earlier as player of the game, and rightfully so. I want to see some consistency from Jeremy Grant. I thought maybe it was Cade. You know, maybe he was trying to adjust to playing with Cade, but I kind of just looked at his game logs from this season. And just in terms of scoring, you see just a lot of up and down. Okay, so a stretch where he went 24, then 9, then 14, then 22. And then another game, 21, 27, 5, then 35. Another stretch, four games, 7, 19, 19, 36. And then the most recent stretch, 13, then 20, then back-to-back 32, 34. So back-to-back 30-point games for Jeremy Grant. So I think it's just a little bit of consistency now is what I'd like to see from Jeremy Grant. And maybe it was the shuffling of the lineup with Cade Hur and then Killian Hur, and now we always have a different starting lineup. But I'm interested to see if maybe he's starting to get more comfortable or if this is what we're going to get from Jeremy Grant all year, a little bit of up and down with, you know, a 30-point game here, but then we get a 20-point game here, then the the random single-digit scoring game as well. Kate Cunningham, I want to watch three-point attempts and free-throw attempts with him. When he isn't settling for threes, I think we see the best Cade Cunningham. And it's not just about the sheer number of three-point attempts. Like I, I feel like he's been better recently about not just settling. Tonight, he only took five. That is where he needs to be, five to seven, eight. But I don't think it's just necessarily about the, the volume. It's about the types of threes. And then is he also getting inside the three-point line? So tonight, he got 10 shots inside the three-point line. We see him taking the little mid-range pull-up. We've seen the floater. We saw him get all the way to the rim. You know, even though he's been struggling taking contact and not turning the ball over, we have seen some drives where he's been able to finish through contact. So I think that's one area to keep an eye on with Cade is, is does it look like he's just settling for threes when he could be getting something else? Some games he's going to shoot 10 threes because he's getting wide open catch and shoot ones. But is he settling off ball screens or in situations where the closeout's coming and he could have attacked it. So that's something to keep an eye on. And then also free throw attempts. It's not something he's been able to do. Can he start getting to the line? And one final thing, Killian Hayes off the ball cutting. It seems simple, 
But if he's going to be a good off-the-ball player, which I think we need him to be with someone like Cade Cunningham, and then as we add more and more talent to this roster, the ball isn't always going to be in his hand. And the catch-and-shoot jumper has come around. It's got better. I'm intrigued by it. I'm excited by it. But if he can also be a really good off-the-ball cutter, that's going to be huge as well for his ability to play off the ball and for this team to be successful offensively. Thoughts on the other team? The Suns are playing the first of a back-to-back. They go against the Warriors on Friday night. They'll have 18 straight wins now with the win tonight over the Pistons. Just an incredible run here from the Phoenix Suns. That game got uh, flexed to, uh, I believe, I don't know if it's on ESPN tomorrow night, I believe. It got flexed to TV. I think they moved the Lakers game out. Everybody was talking about that, but rightfully so. A Phoenix-Golden State match matchup is a really exciting matchup so they play back to back didn't lose a single game in November which is really really impressive you know a guy that I have always kind of liked is JaVel McGee Flint Michigan native they talked about that during the broadcast I like what he brings as a second unit big I know he's been on Shaqton in a fool and it's easy to make fun of and all that but I thought he was a good pickup for this team there's a lot made in the playoffs about not having a second unit big. I know Dario Saric got hurt. I think he helps you win games like this during the regular season. If nothing else, he brings energy. And I thought he had a good stretch. I believe it was in the first half where he brought a lot of energy and he just made a lot of really nice plays. I'm not saying he's going to like make win you games necessarily in the playoffs, but I think he can play some solid rotation minutes. And I think he helped you secure possibly a number one seed during the regular season because he comes to play every single night. I just think he's underappreciated at times. He's a player I really like. This is a team that's a lot of fun to watch offensively. Great chemistry. You can see it. They work well together. They cut the transition. All of that is just beautiful basketball and just great flow. And even without Devin Booker tonight, you saw them really execute things and just be really fun to watch. They just continue to come at you and come at you. And they just never truly let you get any momentum. I thought they did a great job never letting the Pistons get back in the game until that third quarter stretch. That was That's why it was so impressive to me what the Pistons were able to do in that third quarter. Because all game long, the Suns kind of would – They'd build a lead, the Pistons would make a a couple possession run, and then they'd shut it down and then build the lead a little bit bigger. Pistons would come back a little bit, they'd shut it down, build the lead a little bit bigger. The fact the Pistons were able to make that run all the way back the way they did is really impressive. And But again, the Suns, just a lot of fun to watch. Mikel Bridges, Johnson, Campaign, Shamit, all those guys, really good players. They can knock down shots, and they just shoot a very high efficiency And this is going to be a a team really to watch. I know there's talks like, are they a true championship contender or not? I think they are. CP3 is a maestro running all of this, you know, controlling the game, controlling the offense, controlling the ball. And I think you get Devin Booker back healthy and these guys continue to grow together. And I think it's a team that's going to really have a chance to make a run in the Western Conference again. As we look ahead to the Thunder on Monday night, the Thunder are now 6-16. and with a loss to the Grizzlies tonight by the largest margin of victory in NBA history. So I don't know that I love how that sets up. Like I feel like there's a whole narrative already playing out in my head that the Thunder in their last game lost by the largest margin of victory in NBA history, and then something happens where the the Pistons don't show up and it turns into some sort of storyline because the Thunder win the game big or something. I hope that doesn't happen. I don't mean to be negative, but like I just couldn't help but that be where my mind went whenever I saw that stat about it being the largest margin of victory. It would be the largest loss in NBA history. 
Shea Gilgis Alexander, the numbers have dipped a little from last year in terms of efficiency. I'm interested to watch him play. This was a guy that I don't know if is ever real or not, but there was a lot of conversation around like, would you trade the number one pick for SGA? And, you know, Thunder fans would say, no, we, there's no way we would trade. You know how, how good SGA is and all that. So it'll be interesting just to see a little bit of Cade versus SGA in this game. Josh Giddy, a rookie for them, averaging 10 points, seven and a half uh, rebounds, five and a half assists. So a really good start to the young player's career. Josh Giddy, I saw Matt Issa, who we've had on the podcast, talked about how high level of a passer he is. So I'm really interested to see that. We didn't really get to see him in summer league. That was the game he rolled his ankle very early in the game. I think he had a dunk like on the first possession, and then not long after that, he didn't play anymore. Jeremiah Robinson Ertle, another guy that was selected in this draft, rookie, averaging seven and a half points, five point eight rebounds. Okay, a guy I really would have liked to end up on the Pistons. He actually went five spots higher in the second round than we would have picked if we wouldn't have made the Mason Plumley trade. Richard Stamen at Mav Drafts, who's going to join us for the next episode. He loved JRE, so that's probably somebody we'll talk about as we uh, look at that Thunder game. And then just interesting to see the roster of another team in a rebuild. This is a team that has a ton of draft picks. Be really interesting to see what they do. But another team in a rebuild. And quite honestly, this is really a game we need to win. There's a couple games coming up over the next week that the Pistons really need to take advantage of in this game against the Thunder and then on Friday against the Pelicans. As always, I want to thank my guy, Wes Davenport, the producer of the Motor City Hoop podcast, who takes care of so many things behind the scenes to make the podcast better for you and easier for me. I also want to thank you, the listener, for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. You have no idea how much it means to us about the amount of support we are getting right now. Motor City Hoops will be back on Tuesday with our weekly episode drop. And for that episode, I'll be joined by Richard Stamen, or better known as At Mavs Draft. This will be Richard's third time on the podcast, and he will bring amazing insight as he is a great basketball mind when it comes to the NBA and draft prospects. We will get his thoughts on the Pistons, the NBA, and go ahead and start taking a peek into the future and the 2022 NBA draft prospects that might interest Pistons fans. Wes will have some great sheet or sham to lead us into those conversations. Thank you for listening. Go Pistons, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Motor City Hoops podcast. Please give us a rating, drop a review, and subscribe. For more content, including video breakdowns, make sure you follow us at Motor City Hoops on Twitter. I hope you join us next episode. Until then, be safe and be well.